Let's pray. Father God, we praise you that time and again we can come before your throne and we can pray, we can lift up to you even our feeble words, and you are there. You listen, you hear from your people, your children. So, Lord, we lift up to you prayer that we would hear from your word, that you would be honored and glorified in it, that we would walk out of here not the same people we walked in, but built up and encouraged from who you are and the words you have given to us. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I called this series in Psalms Grounded because of how time and again the Psalms call us to to realize and recognize just some simple realities. First of all, who God is, and then who we are. And as we see who God is and who we are, we begin to see who we are before God. The Psalms, they, they ground us before the Almighty Creator. And tonight's psalm gives us pause to think about, to meditate upon the revelation of God, the fact that God has revealed himself to us to, and, and how he has revealed himself to all mankind, first of all, through creation, through his word, the law and the prophets, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and ultimately through the Son, God in flesh appearing. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles up to Psalm 19. I hear no pages flipping, so I'll assume you're all there. Let's stand up. Psalm 19, starting at verse 1, it says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and the words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. The reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. 
Psalm 19 starts us out with something we've discussed before. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. When we look at all the creation around us, how can this world possibly be the result of a cosmic accident? How could it possibly be the source of a big bang? I have yet to see an explosion create something. Something organized. It creates chaos, but not organized. The heavens declare. As we look out at the stars, as we sit on the beach and we watch the waves come in, but they never overtake us. They, they, they have a limit that God has placed upon them. I say, we have a maker. We have a designer. It's the same thing as when we look at a clock and we see the function in that clock, which has been designed and crafted by a, a creator. And we can recognize in that clock that this is, this is carefully put together. It has a function. It has a purpose. When we look at all creation around us, and we see something like DNA. DNA, which is the blueprint of our bodies. From that, our cells form and create who we are. It heals wounds. It it reminds our, our bodies of how to be put together. It's an amazing blueprint that has been designed, that has been crafted. It has a purpose as minute as DNA might be. It finds itself having a purpose because life has been authored. It is not an accident. If we, if we think about our bodies, how all the systems are integrated Our bodies didn't wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I need a respiratory system, otherwise I'm going to choke to death. And then, whoa, there's one, I think I'll live with that. No, it couldn't. Unless our bodies were created as they are with every single system in place, we'd be dead. There'd be no life in us. So how did we cosmically accidentally explode into what we are? The heavens declare this isn't possible. Creation says we have a maker. The finite does not create itself. Nothing begets nothing. Nothing comes from nothing. The cosmological argument reminds us that nothing finite can bring itself into existence. It's just not scientifically possible. You cannot have an infinite number of causes for something finite. For example, we have a tree. We see a tree before us, and we say that tree came from the tree before it. And the tree before it came from the tree before it came from the tree before it came from... Where did the first tree come from? You can't go infinitely back when you're talking about a finite object, can you? And you, when, when you go back far enough, you eventually have to come down to the idea that there, there must be an infinite eternal instigator of everything that is. 
of all creation. There must be an initial cause, something that always existed, has always been, something infinite and eternal that could say, I'm going to design, I'm going to make this functional, purpose-filled creation. Day-to-day pours out speech. Night-to-night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth and the words to the end of the world. Every day, there is more to be understood about this finite world, isn't there? There's always a new article to be written, a new discovery to be made. Uh, We are constantly discovering and learning about the creation that we are in. And the more intricacies that we find, the more we understand of, of how the natural world functions, then the more scientists consistently come back to the idea that logically, there must be a creative personality behind everything that we see. Albert Einstein. Anybody know who that is? He said this, everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that a spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, a spirit vastly superior to that of man. Hmm. The same man said, the divine reveals itself in the physical world. Now, Albert Einstein was not a Christian. He did not accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. He did not accept the God of Scripture. But because of his deep study, because of his his understanding of the laws of physics, because of his observation of everything around him, because he looked at creation, it, it caused him to also comprehend that Romans 1, 19 and 20 are true. Scripture says to us, what can be known about God is plain to them, all mankind, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. Someone who never accepted Christ, never wanted to believe in the God of Scripture, in his own words, agreed with the God of Scripture after he looked at the creation around him. He said, there is a God. I'll tell you who that God is. It's the God of creation. I have a little video for us to watch. I want you to look carefully. There's that DNA I was talking about.
there's you. Keep your eye on that. That's you. still see you? kind of small, doesn't it? All of that universe, all of that observable universe is finite. It has a beginning and an end. It can all be measured. And yet day to day, it declares the glory of an infinite and eternal creator. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in them. Knowledge of God is revealed in creation. Uh, There's this great exchange between God and Job in the book of Job. Go ahead and flip open to the book of Job. It's, It's right before Psalms there. Job 38. 
And in this exchange, God reveals his immensity to Job by expounding upon his involvement in creation. Job 38, starting at verse 1, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? I love this. Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb, when I made clouds its garments and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther. And here shall be your proud waves stayed. Have you commanded the morning since your days began and caused the dawn to know its place? that it might take hold of the skirts of the earth and the wicked be shaken out of it? It is changed like clay under the seal and its features stand out like a garment. From the wicked their light is withheld and their uplifted arm is broken. Have you entered into the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been revealed to you or have you seen the gates of deep darkness? Have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Declare if you know all this. Where is the way to the dwelling of light? Where is the place of darkness that you may take it to its territory and that you may discern the paths to its home? You know, for you were born them. That's sarcasm. And, And the number of your days is great. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or have you seen the storehouses of the hail which I have reserved for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war? What is the way to the place where light is distributed or where the east wind is scattered upon the earth? And he goes on and on and on, just expounding to Job things that Job couldn't possibly know, things that Job could not have possibly been there for. God's involvement in creation, God's sustaining of the earth as it is today. And when Job is is finished, hearing what God had to say in Job chapter 40, here's part of his response. Job chapter 40, verses 3 through 5. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am of small account. It's like Job watched that video. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I have spoken once and I will not answer twice, but I will proceed no further. Job 42, 1 through 6. Because <laughs> after that first response, God goes on. He goes further making sure Job understands the immensity of himself, the immensity of God. Job 42, it begins, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? 
Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. When we observe creation and all that is there, all that is involved, let us recognize the glory of God, the greatness of our creator who is involved in every niche, every person knit together, every cell, every bit of dust. He knows where it is. There is something wonderful in this book of Job, as God reveals himself to Job, not only through creation, but also in his words to him. See, God doesn't see Job in his situation and step away and say, you know, I'm just going to let Job look at what's around him and see if he figures it out. Now, God enters the picture and not only says, Job, look at what's around you. God enters in and says, let me explain it to you. God shares with him with words. God doesn't just want us to know of him or about him as we examine creation, but God wants us to know him. God wants us to know his character. God wants us to know his person. He wants us to know his nature, who he is in as much as the finite can possibly comprehend the infinite. God has condescended to communicate with us in a way that we can understand and perhaps begin to perceive these things about him. He has given us his word. God has revealed himself to us in his word that we might know him more. He has given us special revelation, not just general revelation of, of the creation, but special revelation where the God of all creation comes down to earth and sees that one person and comes down and says, here I am. This is who I am. Here's my word given to you that you, as small as you might be in all of creation, I want you to know me. Verses 7 and following in, in Psalm 19. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Beautiful, poetic language. And in this, this bit of this psalm here, he, he tells us, David, the psalmist tells us of how God in his word, he, he wants to accomplish two things in us in this special revelation of his word. He wants to, first of all, cause in us an e eternal fear of him. 
Verse 9, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. It's an eternal fear. It's a fear without end. God wants us to have this fear of him forever. He wants us to be warned. Verse 11, moreover, by them, your servant is warned. God wants us to know the reality of just who he is. He wants us to have a fear of him, and it's not a a bad fear. He wants us to have a fear that recognizes that his law, his testimony, his precepts, his commandment, his rules, those are all listed there. They are perfect. They are sure. They are right. They are pure, they are true, and they are righteous altogether. Every last word that he has spoken to us, perfect, sure, right, pure, true, and righteous altogether, there is a perfection about God that he wants us to know about. A holiness in him that his people are called to, and yet we do not have in and of ourselves. And when we recognize that we will never be there on our own, his word brings us to our knees and on our faces before him. It causes us to say in verse 12, who can discern his errors to have that same kind of reaction as Job did. I need to be declared innocent from hidden faults. Causes us to realize that we need a Savior, that I am dirty before him. How can I be declared innocent? But God, in his grace, mercy, And in his love, he does not leave us at that point in his word, just recognizing him as perfect and ourselves as fallen and having no hope. God, through his word, in that same revelation that displays his holy perfection, he also says here that he wants us to be revived. He wants us to be made wise. He wants our our hearts to rejoice. He wants to have our eyes enlightened. These are all very positive aspects of his special revelation to us. We will first recognize his perfection, the righteousness of the creator of all things. We'll fall down before him on our faces, and he also wants us to be lifted up, to rejoice, to be revived, to be made wise. And how can these two things come from this revelation of God? How can this be? In his word, we find revival, wisdom, joy, and enlightenment as we see his word revealing to us a savior given for us. As we see his word revealing to us that that savior is God in the flesh given for us. Isaiah 7.14 Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
And Emmanuel means God with us. This Savior, God with us, would be born of a virgin, which came to pass some hundred years later through Mary. Isaiah 9, verses 6 through 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall accomplish this. Isaiah 53 reminds us that the Christ shall bear the weight and the punishment for all of our sins, all of our transgressions. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 reminds us that Bethlehem would indeed be his birthplace. And there are so many others that we could read tonight and over the course of the future and reread that remind us that God's word reveals to us not only his perfection, but a savior. Not just any savior, but God in the flesh sent for us. And, and that brings a joy to our heart. That brings a light to our eyes. God has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 and 14 through 18 says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John the Baptist bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. As we get to know the wonders of who God is through his written revelation, how in his holy perfection he has made a way for us to have our hidden faults declared forgiven, we fall down on our faces before him and at the same time are, are lifted up because, because he has done this to set us free from the bondage of sin. Verse 13 in our psalm says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. 
We are slaves to sin apart from Jesus Christ. We are in bondage to the flesh that controls our desires and everything we do. But thank God that Jesus Christ has come. Romans 6, 16 to 18. I'll just read it to you. It says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient to the heart, to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having, having been set free from sin have become slaves instead of righteousness. In Jesus Christ, the last half of 13 rings true. 13, it says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And in Jesus Christ, that rings true. Romans 8 says that we are justified in Jesus Christ before our perfect God and creator. As we begin to understand the the revelation of God in creation, in his word, and in Jesus Christ, this, this revelation, as we look upon it and meditate upon it, it begs us to respond with a holy, reverent fear that has no end, that is everlasting. And at the same time, to have our eyes opened to God's grace and mercy lavishly poured out upon us in his son, Jesus Christ, causing our lives to then become an outlet for his truth. Verse 14, David ends the psalm by saying, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Having taken in the, the greatness of creation, and how much greater God is and how it declares the infinite eternality of God, the creator. And having taken in the revelation of God through his law and through his precepts and understanding my need for a savior and reading in that that God is giving me a savior, I come before you, Lord, and I say, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight for you are God. Oh, Lord my rock, and my redeemer. Has the revelation of God in your life affected you the same way that it affected David? Are are we leaning upon God as our rock? Because we know there is no other God, but there is the God of creation. As we recognize his holy perfection, as we see it in his word, as we recognize that he loves us to death, even death on a cross. Acknowledging him as our redeemer, making the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts, both our words and our deeds, because our deeds come from what's in our hearts, as Christ said. Making those things acceptable before him. Do we seek that in our lives? Are we responding appropriately to what we're seeing around us and reading in his word? That is what we are called to from Psalm 19. Let's pray. Father God, we pray. We pray to you. 
and we praise you. The almighty creator, the one who laid down the path of the earth and the sun. Lord God, the one who tilted the earth at 23 degrees, that the seasons would happen beautifully and perfectly. Lord God, the one who knit us together in our mother's wombs, that our blood would flow through our veins and we would breathe and we would see and we would hear and we would know that you are God by looking at your creation. Lord God, we praise you for your word given to us that we would know you for who you are in your character, in your nature. We praise you that you would want us to know these things. So we give to you of ourselves. Lord, lead us as we go out these doors to commit our words and our deeds, our thoughts and our actions, all to you. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.